Baby, lock them doors and turn the lights down low. Put some music on the stereo. And baby, we ain't got no place to go. Just want to be your man. All right, folks, welcome back to the podcast, One Man, One Tree and Hill. I'm your host, Jared Waters, two-time wrestling champ, stand-up comedian, producer, writer, director. I got some good news coming in. Uh, good, welcome back. Thank you for listening. Shout out to all your emails. I appreciate that. Uh, to the people asking about these One Tree Hill episodes, I want to explain why we don't have them. Uh, we are in, we're not in phase, I don't know what phase we're in, but the governor and the mayor just said that in New York City, we can't get up to 3% of people infected via the coronavirus, and right now we're at 2.88%. So we had to just wait and decide, like, are we going to shut down the work? Are we going to shut down the building? So correct right now it's happening is in New York, all the restaurants have to close by 10 p.m. There's no in, indoor dining is limited to 10 people per space. So we're going pretty much going back to phase four. But it's cool. It's all right. It's it's actually, you know, it doesn't affect comedy because we're outside anyways. It does affect the comedy clubs because comedy clubs are doing shows at 10 o'clock. And if you have a liquor license, you really can't serve alcohol at a comedy spot. But there's ways to get around it, and I'm not going to snitch on myself publicly. But <laughs> uh, but uh, we're going we're gonna to get through this, man. We're going to freaking get through it. It's been a really good week, a great week for me, an emotional week for me. But it's it's been good. Shout out to everyone emailing me about. Shoot, you guys are emailing me. <laughs> Somebody asked email me for tickets down in Odessa, Texas, to hit up Jenny for tickets. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, like I said, you can find these people on social media and ask them. I don't know <laughs> what concert you're talking about, but he's asking, do we have promo codes for tickets? And we will find out. Oh freak, we forgot to hit up our sponsors, ladies and gentlemen. This podcast is now sponsored by Old Hillside Bourbon Company. Old Hillside Bourbon is a black-owned bourbon company. Um, where there's first initially black-owned, excuse me, black-owned bourbon. Let me just read it. What they sent us. Old Hill, Old Hillside Bourbon Company was created out of love for bourbon, friendship, and camaraderie. The idea of quality time, great conversation, and enjoying good spirits brought this team together. Our vision is fueled by optimism, integrity, and sense of responsibility to build a successful household bourbon brand that people can cherish and love. Our story is unique, and we are a collective group of individuals from a different career unique, excuse me, from different career backgrounds. This is our strength. We are able to apply our professional experience to provide the unmatched service to our customers. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bourbon Whiskey, a black-owned business. That's who we're sponsored by now. Yes. So back to what's going on in New York. So that's what's happened in New York. A lot of, you know, a lot of businesses are feeling this this pandemic. This pandemic has hit businesses pretty hard. A lot of people are leaving New York. Uh, it's a good thing because in a year or two, these houses are gonna go freaking down, and we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we move into a brownstone, baby. So uh, that's what's happening. Uh, sad news: the Creek in the Cave. That's a it's a comedy club slash theater closed down. A it's it's done. Uh, I'm going to read Rebecca's statement. Rebecca is the owner of The Creek in the Cave. I'm going to read her statement. This is a statement from Rebecca Trent. She's the owner of The Creek in the Cave. Here we go. I wanted to wait until the election before I let all of you officially know something that I'm sure most of you already know. The Creek in the Cave will not be reopening. I was simply wasn't strong enough and I wasn't, excuse me, I was simply wasn't in a strong enough position going into the pandemic to sustain the creek without going in an insure, insure amount of more debt. 
ensure minimal damage. I don't know, she like spelled it wrong. <laughs> most would say I already most would say I already knew that. Okay, most would say that I already knew that. We had some investors, buyers and ideas, but when it came down to it, the renovations would be so expensive on the building that's already crumbling. The creek in the cave has been my home for fourteen years. More importantly, it's been the home to such is home to so much creativity and laughter and ideas. Together, we have helped shape New York comedy scene and the comedy as a whole for a decade and a half. Kingdom of Heaven, the Eric Andre Show, Derek Comedy, Emergency Sketch Show, The Jerk Practice, uh, NYC, We Are All Friends, Friend Produced, The Last Podcast, Dan and Joe Show, Charles Show, The Eric Andre Show, uh, Skank Face, Petey Worlds, High Five, Love and Poverty, See You in Hell, uh, Hardcore Comedy, Tip of the Tongue, Barely Making It, New York City Talent Show, Jack Knife Comedy, and Power Hour. To remember so many is a lot and so many mics. Now, my show is called Tip of the Tongue. Shout out to her for shouting it out, which is not, uh, you know, not a slight. And then she goes, Colin Quigg chose the creek in the cave as his stage to develop a one-man show. I was starstruck, and there, the second stage was, let me reread it again. I was starstruck and was there every second he was on stage. That one-man show became unconstitutional, and I became the director in a two-off-Broadway venues and even have a Times review. Oh, I didn't know she directed that. I'll never forget. The spit that takes the creek in the <laughs> the spit take at the creek award show surrounded by Nick Turner and Jason Suvez and Travis Irvine and Mark Norman will be forever grateful for that event. We did Thanksgiving together every year except 2008 when my mom, when when everyone came. My mom, Annie's parents, Andy's mom, Jessica's mom, Sean Patton's parents, Brian McKay's entire family, Kalisa's kid, Nick Turner's whole family, and one or two grumpy kids who had nowhere to go but look hungry. And as many comics as we wanted there, we started with just a handful of folks, and now I was eventually cooking for 75 people. We had crawfish, boils, lobster bakes, pig roasts, cook-offs. We feasted like royalty. We had an incredible staff that made this all work. Victor, Aldo, Marino were sorry, excuse me. were with me from the start. I watched Jessica T go from having her own quinceanera to becoming a nurse. I saw Rojo Perez go behind the bar to TV. Rojo Perez is a stand-up comedian uh, Tampa, Florida. Shout out to him. My managers, Joe Wise, Alan Turris, Shannon, Peggy, Vinny, Jamie, all did the best they very could, breaking the creek down and bringing it back up. Cassidy and Joseph Roberts, oh, they met at the creek in the cave and fell in love. James and Jamie Lynn were married by Ed here. Uh, here we go. The moments we decide to go in for, to figure out what happened, so I ask you to keep making this happen. I ask you to decide it for, to go for it every day. Make sure that Patrick and Gideon and Amy Shamper are five in a home. Let Taj, Eagle, and Napoleon. Don't let Taj, Eagle, and Napoleon slip through the cracks. Chanel and Kanice are important voices, and we need to keep shoving microphones in their faces. Maria, Ariel, make sure Lizzie, Tracy, Shane, and Ben find a new home. Alex, Aaron, and Ben need a place as well. I know my time at the helm of the creek wasn't everyone's favorite. There were times when I was too angry, too outspoken, too passionate, too much, and I disappointed people I know. I also know that I tried my hardest to make sure that we were all prepared for the world, the road and the weird clubs, the pitch decks, the generals, the late night top fives, the first hour, what to do when we felt the need on the be on the horizon. As Kat says, people contain multitudes and I will maybe and while I may be a multi a multitude of multitude and I can read too, you know, I got college education. I'm trying to okay, here we go. As cat and people cut the multitudes, as the multi-tenuous as they come, I served as a community as hard as I could. I took chances for people who offered stage time to everyone fairly as I could. The masters, the proven, the villains, the dorks, yet the brilliant, all grace the stage over 14 years. Because when someone has a stage, it becomes a sacred duty to say yes to artists to grace it, to give them time and space and permission to fail. So that became, that became a great task for me. 
That was my sacred duty for 14 years. I only wish I could have been doing it for 14 more. So I thank you for bringing life to stages, making it feel like a church. Thank you for making me feel a part of this community. Thank you for making me feel your jokes, your tears, and thank you for the times, all that it meant the world to me. That's from Rebecca Trent, right? And uh, I'm going to break this down. Rebecca Trent is the owner of the Creek in the Cave. Creek in the Cave, uh, there's legend stories about like 14 years ago what the Creek meant to stand-up comedy. Uh, it changed throughout the years. And, you know, you hear about stories about how Mark Norman, Sean Patton, all these boys from New Orleans came, and this was like their dungeon, right? Eric Andre, he formed a show there, which was which was amazing. Uh, I started my show there, me, Paul, and um, Khalil. We started the show Tip of the Tongue. She gave us a chance from Florida Boys. Our show was at Tuesday at 10 p.m., super late at night, hit or miss. But when it hit, that mother effer hit so hard. And uh, the news hit me up. I made a post. My post uh, simply said, uh, let me read mine as well, you know, if you don't follow me. Uh, I want to say thank you to Rebecca Trent of the Creek in the Cave, giving three comics from the great state of Florida a Tuesday night show at 10 p.m., the tip of the tongue show, the wildest nights there. I remember when I wasn't getting booked, I knew I could go to the Creek in the Cave to get better and get stage time. I rented a Barry Crimmins in there and the funniest comics. I appreciate the sacrifice you made for comedy in the New York City comedy scene. I pray that everything you sowed in the Creek in the Cave, you reap the harvest back a hundredfold and then some. See, I can read my own words. Perfect. And I mean that. I mean that, you know, that's a thankless task to open a venue. Let me tell you something about the Creek in the Cave. That was the only club I know. It turned into a homeless shelter for comics, man. Like, I don't know what it was like 10 years ago, but it, towards the end, it was just like for weirdos to just meet up there, which is not a problem, you know. I met a lot of different people there, but when I'm coming to New York and I don't know where to go for, like, stand-up, I would go to the Creek. 6 o'clock, Mike, 8 o'clock, Mike, I would go there. That's where I met Eagle and... I met Eagle and a lot of comics, and that's where I started meeting comics, being like, oh, I should just come here at 10 o'clock. This mic is where you got to come and crush at. And uh, doing a show there, and I said to the TV One News, they asked me to make a statement. I was like, you know, I only met Rebecca, you know, you know, four, four, three years ago, but I'm pretty sure other comics have a better relationship with her. And I said this, and as they, I, I sent my quote like this when they asked me to be, because I didn't want to be on TV. You know, I'm, other comics, you know, are closer to her than I am. And I said this, I said, to some comics, she's a mother. To some comedians, she was a father. To some other comedians, she was a life coach. And she helped re re rehabilitate comics. She's helped them get off drugs. She's helped comics stop drinking. She was everything to them. I said, she was like Wendy in Peter Pan. She harbored all these lost boys and lost girls. But to me, I came to New York with a mother, with a father, with a friend. I came completed. So for me, she was an inspiration to show me what happens when you can have a business and you run it for 14 years and you provide opportunity for comedians. That's something that, you know, I would look to do at the end. You know, I wouldn't, I would, you know, I would build a club and, you know, pass it off to somebody. I wouldn't just, you know, at the end, maybe at the end of my career, have a comedy club and help young comics. But that's an inspiration, seeing a woman inside this, this business do a lot of things. Um, she was never mean to me. She was always nice. Uh, I remember my friend Ben got fired because he, he changed the on the top of the uh, theater. You put like the you know movie theaters. You put those letters of what's coming up next. And he got fired because he put the tip of the tongue show up at ten o'clock, and he removed something that she had, and they fired him. <laughs> uh, but I met some of the coolest people up there, and it's sad to see it go. You know that's what I knew. All of a sudden, if anybody came into town from whatever state you're from. If you're a comedian and you knew Tuesday nights you had nothing to do, you can come to our show Tuesday at 10. We're going to get you right. We're going to get you on stage. And it's sad to see it go. But, you know, this pandemic is, you know, this pandemic has hit people certain different ways. But, 
you know, I pray that, you know, she'll get back on her feet. You know, she's a businesswoman, and, you know, she's put a lot of comedians on. You know, she's helped a lot of comedians. My friend Ibrahim Khalif, she gave him over three hours worth of stage time to develop his hour. She gave him all that. She gave my friend Paul. She did this thing called the Rick at the Creek where a comedian could come and do a full week of shows, an hour every night. When can you get that? It's so hard to get an hour in the city. And she gave a comic six hours to develop whatever they're developing. And that's what she used to do, a week at the creek. Uh, open just mad mics, mad shows, mad everything else. So when I got there to New York, I think I remember, first show I went to was like Petey's World. And I was like, oh, man, it's a wild show. They're like passing out drinks and everything else. So shout out to Rebecca Trent, you know, uh, prayers up. And we hope that she recovers. We definitely hope she recovers. Uh, Dangerfields Comedy Club closed down as well. Dangerfields. And the reason why I'm telling this story is because it calls back to the story I'm about to tell. Dangerfields, the first comedy club ever played in New York City. And how it happened was me and Cam, we came up to New York and we're hustling. Um, our friend Andy, she was uh, she was dating one of our comedians named Amanda. They broke up, but I remained friends with her. You know, some, you know, just to, you never know what we need these people for. Uh, not to say we needed her, but, you know, she's always nice to me. You know, I, I can't. Whatever happened between those two girls, that's on them. For for me, she was mad cool, and she lived in New York. And I know I was moving to New York, so that was my friend in New York. And I told her, me and Cameron coming up, that she goes, stay at our house. Stay at our place. Come on. I said, freak, F, yeah, we'll stay there. <laughs> and we needed a place to stay anyways. So she was, you know, on the ground hustling for us. She goes, I met a guy. He's selling tickets to Dangerfields. And I told him I would go if my two friends can get on stage. And he said, yeah. And, of course, this dude, his name, he's probably just, you know, trying to just sell tickets and told her that. So we get to Dangerfields. We knock on the door. And this guy named Quentin, Quentin comes. He goes, hey, what are y'all doing here? He's like, we got a show at 6 o'clock. We just wanted to check in. Check in? The freak? Why are you checking in so early? And he goes, who are y'all? I said, like, we're from Florida. I don't care where you're from. How do you think you're getting on the stage? And I was like, we're on the show. Uh, I think uh, Julius told us to get on the stage. Julius, don't run nothing here. That's what Julius told us. We got stage time. And he goes, well, come back in, at 6. So we come back at six. We come back at 8. The show's at 8. And we check in again. He's like, yo, Julius said we can get on. And he goes, I, I, there ain't no way we can let both of y'all on. No, we can't do that. I said, well, we got seven people outside, and there's nobody in there. So if you let us on, uh, these people will come. And we didn't know who those seven people are. They just happened to be coming to the show anyways. And he goes, all right, all right, cool, 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 cool. Well, one of y'all can get on. And if one of y'all do good, the other one can get on. And me and Cam just looked at each other, and we're like, we knew both of us were getting on. We rock, paper, scissors, boom, we got on. But Dangerfields was the first club. I did that club several times. And uh, that closed club down, too. That was the place where they shot The Joker. That's where the Joker scenes happen. It happened right at Dangerfields. So, well, they have a new location. I don't know. That was an iconic location. That was the oldest comedy club in New York City, Dangerfields was. And, you know, you know things, are, things are changing. The... the, the Hey, water boy, you're fired. That's what's happening, man. That's what's happening. But prayers up to Rebecca and Dangerfields. Hope they do it. Uh, let's go through my week. My week is like really good. Uh, very, very, very good. Someone emailed was like, "What? Who was asking about what happened 20 years ago?" Sometimes when my friends hit me up and they ask me about certain artifacts certain details what happened 20 years ago i'm like look listen to the podcast i can go more in depth with it because that's what's on my mind now but sometimes when you try to justify your life in a different time zone it's hard to do that you know i i know how my mind works and i know how i was you know i used to be a lot of different things so um someone emailed me asked me uh, could i do a segment called toxic level one and i think i'll do that i think i'll do it i'll do toxic level one i got a lot of stories of my toxicity that I'm that I'm battling and we'll, we'll freaking do that we'll open that gate we'll open that gate we'll open that bad boy up 
uh, comedy has been really great. Sunday, sun, last Sunday, I did uh, the Wipe the Mic show. I did a guest spot there, and now I'm on the official show tonight. I'll be there at 3 o'clock uh, up at New York Comedy Club. And then Monday, I did my friend Rashad Bashir's show. And uh, it's 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 a way. I had a comedian like you know follow me, and they, she ended up getting a lot of stage time just being around me. Like, oh, we'll throw you up. Uh, there's a method to my madness, right? What I do is, uh, for shows that I'm not on, I go really really early, right? Because when you go really really early, comics think you're supporting what you are, and then they you know if there's any time left, they'll give it to you. So some shows I'll go really really early just in case I see somebody that I know I'm going to drop out. And that's how I get it. Some comics have like, they have hearts, you know. And other shows I go where I've done it several times. Where I know I could just show up anytime and I'll get on, right. So Monday I go to Rashad Bashir's show. And uh, he has somebody else headlining. But he knows, he knows that daddy, he knows that Papa Bear's a headliner. But it's all good. I'm just doing the spot. And I had a really good spot. The new jokes are hidden. Everything was good. And Harlem Nights is actually a whole lot better now. Because you can't fill it up to capacity. And the portion that you have on the show, everyone's there to listen. Because back in the day... That show would be packed out, 100 people inside this bar. Uh, some people aren't there for comedy. Some people are celebrating a birthday, and they really just want to party. That's their only night to be out, and they're just like, no, nah, we ain't trying to be quiet for no comedy show. I'm trying to dance. So it was a really good night of comedy. Tuesday night, I had a show at Eastfield Comedy Club, and it was really good, really good. I did a show. These are my favorite comics, Mallory Bryant. I talk about her all the time, first comedian that ever started the Tiny Cover. And I just, I love her so much because we we came up together, man. I remember, dude, I remember being in New York, not knowing anybody, doing these these crazy shows at 1 a.m., got to be at work at 6 a.m. I remember doing, I remember her being there asleep and then waking up talking about her feet. And now she's just killing 30 minutes. Then my girl, Sonia Vi, and Sonia is from Tampa, Florida. She never reps it. She goes, my parents live in Tampa. I was like, girl, you're from Tampa. And uh, she is... She's just like me. If there was a female version of stand-up comedy, she's just like me. It just doesn't matter if she does well. She always points out the flaws in her set. Uh, even if she has a good set, she's always questioning everything else. I'm like, yeah, you're just like me. But I've learned to understand, like, what is good for me isn't good for everyone else. Or what is good for everyone else isn't good for me. I understand what I'm capable of, and that's what she understands. So we'll tag each other up. She'll give me a tag. She gives me tags. I'll give her tags. That's what we used to do back in Tampa. And uh, we start doing that. We do that. I run into Matthew, Matthew, and you know Matthew. We go to take it outside. Now, take it outside is a show, and it's just it's it's good, but it's like too many comedians. Meaning, there's too many comedians. Comics just talk to the side, and they're loud, and they disrespect the show. It's really it is what it is. It's what they do at our show. But we have like a little side place where I put all the comics. So, hey, talk down there if you want to talk. Let the people who want to listen listen. Right, that's what we do. So what happened was pretty much. So we get there. Reggie's Reggie's in town. Uh, Reggie uh, Reggie Edwards is a stand-up comic from St. Louis, but he lives in New York as a battle rapper. So it's good to see him, and he's seeing how the scene has evolved. That's what we're seeing. Like you know, whoever used to run it now runs different shows, and we're like seeing how it evolved. I'm like, man, maybe I could sneak on and get a second show tonight. But I was like trying to stay off to the side to be like let them see that I'm supporting the sh- <laughs> supporting the show. Uh, but it's not, it doesn't happen, but, you know, everyone's talking the night before, like, it's gonna rain Wednesday, it's gonna rain Wednesday, and they're just getting in Matthew's head, I'm like, Matthew, don't be a freaking platypus, man, I'm just like, Matthew's the dude I do the show with, man, I talk about him every week, that's my boy, he's like, you know, it's like a son I never had, no, I'm not gonna say a son, because he has a dad, he's just like a little brother that I get on all the time, because I'm just like, stop making excuses to not do comedy, 
it's cold, man. I don't want to bring chair. It's cold, man. It's raining, man. I don't want. I was like, stop making excuses. When I was 20, you do what you got to do and you just keep it moving. Like, I believe in him so much. I think I believe in him more than he believes in himself. I said, look, man, I need you to, to go online and submit a comedy tape to HBO Latino. You're a Latino comedian and you're funny. Submit a tape. No, man, I don't think I'm ready. I'm like, shut the F up and freaking listen to me, right? Listen to your story. You'll be the youngest comedian to do HBO Latino, right? Because you're only 20 years old. Everyone else is submitting is in their 30s. You'll be the youngest one. Your mother had you when you were 15. You've been arrested. You have a story that they can sell. You are your own. This is it, son. I tell, I'm so pissed. I tell his dad. I was like, tell your son to do this. And his dad goes, I know I'm trying, man, but it's freaking, you know. And I'm telling Matthew, I was like, look, you got to believe in yourself, man. You got to understand that don't don't tell me you want to be a big boy in this game when you get big boy opportunities and you back the F up. You know, you got to really want this. And you're telling me you want this. You're telling me you want to be respected in this comedy game. A credit is everything. This is your only opportunity. Not your only opportunity, but this is an opportunity right now for you to show people like, yo, I'm I'm 20 and I got an HBO credit. You know how much weight that'll carry in the scene? I was like, even if you don't get a credit, you'll get a callback, man. I was like, you're probably one of the funniest kids that I know. And you have a story. You actually have something to say. And he's like, oh, man, you're right, man. You're freaking right. And I was like, stop being a platypus, man. When people ask me about you, I said, like, yeah, he's funny, but he's a platypus. <laughs> and he knows. He told me He told me Tuesday night at the show, he goes, I'm going to saturate whatever sign he told me. Like, we, we take things emotionally. I was like, get the F out. What are you? What sign are you? I was like, I'm Baptist. I don't give an F about no signs. <laughs> I'm blurred signs. But uh, so, yeah. So that's what we're talking about. I'm like, look, we're still keeping the show. And what I do is Wednesday it's raining hard, right? Raining hard. And I say inside the group chat, like, hey, if anybody wants to back out, they can. And, you know, my boy backed out first. Then all the other comics backed out because that's how it is. The big fiddle, the big stick goes, and all the little sticks follow because that's the biggest comic there. So we canceled the show, which actually was a good thing because I got, you know, some of those people don't get up, but I can keep going throughout the city. I go to Horseplay, which is my friend Khalil, Khalil Walker's show. And uh, he writes me, goes, Dan, you cancel your show? He goes, yeah, come through mine. I said, yeah, we'll come through. We're coming to support. And he runs this show. It's like at a restaurant, but it's like a it's like a brewery slash restaurant on Delancey. Dope show. Everyone's socially distant, glasses up. And I had a buddy get up, and he did all right. He didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't kill. You know, he, you know. Excuse me. He, um. I can tell he hasn't been doing a lot of comedy shows in this pandemic. I can tell that. I can tell the rust. I can tell he's been doing other things, and that ain't me, boo. That ain't me at all. And uh, he's talking to me. He's like, "Dude, I've seen you killing all over the stand-up scene. We're both from Florida." I was like, "Yeah, yeah." I said, "You know, it's it's you know, I'm I'm just ready, man. This pandemic's been good to me. I'm just I'm just here to I'm putting the pedal to the metals, turning into a swamp, man. You looking at a gator right now, right?" <laughs> I was like, "You know what it is." And uh, he goes up, does okay. Some other comics do okay, and me and Reggie and Stefan are talking like, maybe it's, you can't hear the jokes up here. And I said, well, I'm about to go down there, and we're going to find out. And I do 15, do a really, really good set. Then Jordan Rock comes, that's Chris Rock's little brother, and he does a solid set. And uh, we leave, and I just tell Khalil, like, dude, I appreciate you, man. Now, this meant everything, man. You know, I hate canceling shows. I'm not the one. And all these comics were writing me, roasting me like, dang, Jared canceling shows? Whoa, Jared, you canceling show because of water? You, Jared, canceling shows? The water model, <laughs> the swamp himself is canceling shows. And they know. They know I'm about it, man. In the rain. I've been doing shows in the rain. Anything, man. I'm down for everything. But, you know, it was not my show. Half of it's the other show. When comedians don't show up. I got to, I gotta, you got to move on. 
So our next show is coming up this Wednesday. It's going to be 40, 41 degrees, so grab a blanket. We'll be in Astoria Park. We've got chairs set up, and we're looking for a new location. Looking for a new location, but brings me to Wednesday night. We leave and go see our friend Julio, Luis, and Talent. They started a new show in this hotel, and it's freaking amazing. The view, you see New York City, you see everything. And and I'm talking to them. They're telling me about you know how to how they got this other show. And I'm like, oh, dope. And uh, we're, we're collaborating, so I'm... I'm Talking, we're gonna find a new location for the Wednesday show. As it gets cold, we'll we'll find a new location. That's what we're gonna do. So Thursday, <clears throat> so here comes Thursday. Thursday, I get a well, I get a call from my boy Cam Bertrand. Cam Bertrand is a stand-up comic. That's the one I said in the beginning. He's coming to New York because we're doing some shows in Connecticut. I have shows in Connecticut. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, in Connecticut, and we're he's supposed to fly in Thursday. But the show gets canceled because Pete Davidson, um, he bumps the show, which is cool, right? You know, that's that's what it is. Big fish eat the small fish. He bumps the show. So Thursday, I end up going to Tobin Miller's show. And Tobin Miller, he did his last show at the park. And uh, it's sad to see it go, man. I know he's, he's going to move on to do something else. But Tobin Miller was one of stand-up comics who had maybe 150 people in an amphitheater. And he had that thing packed the F out. Packed out in the rain. People wanted to come. Uh... He's the only person that didn't take tips. I'm like, man, you got to put your Venmo because people want to support you. He was like, didn't want to do it, but he's actually a good guy. <clears throat> and good guys like that are hard to find. I go to the show, <clears throat> and this comic that I told my advice to about how to get on the show, she takes my advice. She gets a spot. She shows up mad early, like 6.30. I get there like, you know, I get their comics in, you know. And uh, he goes, Jerry, you know, I can't throw you. I say, it's all good. I just came to support, man. I know, but I said, look, I really came to support you. And I did. I, You know, he's he put me on the show several times. I've done it like eight times. But I wanted to show him, like, yo, I appreciate you. You know, I, I, my show got canceled Thursday. I'm just here to support you. He goes, all right, cool. So we chop it up. My girl Jessica, same thing he says to her. And I told Jessica, I said, that's just how we've risen in the scene, man. Now people know when we get there, we just here to we here to eat up, <laughs> to eat to eat up to eat up the to eat up this eat up this eat up this swamp food, you know. And I love Jessica, and uh, <clears throat> we just gotten so much closer during this pandemic. We're like. We're tagging each other up and stuff like that. And she just wants to be funny. She wants to be the best. And I love that about her. So then Friday happens. Friday, what's supposed to happen is uh, I hit my, my coworker. Her name's Alia. We did a podcast together. And I told Alia, I was like, hey, um, do you live in Connecticut? She goes, yeah. I know she lives in Connecticut. I said, you mind taking me to this comedy club after work? She goes, yeah, I would love to. I said, thank you so much. And I was supposed to go Thursday, and I tell her, hey, the show's canceled Thursday. She goes, Friday, we're riding. I said, Friday, we're riding. Now, on Friday, we get the announcement that Cuomo's shutting down the city, so everyone's, like, taking all their stuff from work. Like, oh, my God, what if what if we don't go to work? And I was like, man, we'll probably go. And uh, <clears throat> something told me not to pack up everything. But now, like I said, there's no news. I think I'll be back at work Monday. So she goes, are you ready to go? I was like, Friday, I got all my stuff packed. Let's do it. So Cam hits me up, and Cam goes, hey, my flight was delayed. I'll be in New York around two o'clock right so I probably can't catch a train out to Connecticut I should just ride with you now I don't you know I don't <clears throat> I don't like dri- I love driving I, 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 this week I love driving I just I love driving but you know sometimes I don't like driving at night I get mad tired so I don't drive like that <clears throat> excuse me and uh, I was like you know what I, I didn't want to you know an Ollie I don't know how big her car was I was like you know what all right Cam uh come you fly to LaGuardia catch the bus from LaGuardia you'll be in Harlem that's where I live in Harlem Go up to my house. I said, lady's there, and you could just chill there until we go, and I'll just drive. So I tell Alia, thank you so much, but my friend's coming. He just flew into town, and we'll just drive up there. Thank you so much for, 
you know, opening your car to me. I appreciate it. So hit up Cam. Cam goes in. I was like, he goes into Harlem. Lady opens the door. They're they're chilling. He's got some food. And I was like, and Cam goes, hey, we got a hotel, so we could just stay up here. I was like, all right, cool. I was like, I don't got to go back, so it's good. Uh, tell lady, he's like, hey, I'm leaving. Told I was leaving this weekend. Bye. She kisses my face and rubs my hair and, like, tells me she loves me. I was like, yeah, I love you, too. And I was like, look, you know what time it is. And she goes, I know what time it is. And I said, look, can a player from the toy you know you'll get a chance with it, huh? And <laughs> whatever. So we leave. So we're driving up. And me and Cam are just, you know, we haven't seen each other in maybe two years. Two, two to three. Every time we're supposed to see each other, we like like when I when I was in Tampa last time, he was in London, and like this is the guy I started with. You know, I started in college doing stand up. I started mad young, but when I got to Tampa again, that's when I learned how to be a comedian. I learned how to pace. I learned how to do, how to really understand a crowd, how to understand adults, how to humor callbacks, tags. I learned all that stuff, and I learned with him. And it was his first time. I just had a couple years on him. Couple like a couple years on it because I started in college, so I understood what was funny, and uh, we developed with each other. We developed with each other. Cam was the youngest comedian to do a dry bar special. We did an hour special, and they were talking about his special. And the guy that we're open, the guy that uh, I opened up for Cam, and the guy that we're doing co 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 headlining with, his name is Joey Leonard. I'm gonna talk about Joey later. Joey, but I'm gonna talk about Joey later. So me and Cam were coming up, and we're just catching up. You know, because we call each other, but it's not like catching up in, in person. And uh, his brother passed away a year ago. And I just, and like I said, I was, it was emotional because we're me and Cameron talking in the green room. And I told Cam, I was like, look, man, I said, your brother stayed at my house. You know, I sent him these pictures when his brother died. And I told him, like, yo, your brother was at my house. Your brother, you know, one of the lowest moments in my life in New York City was my first year. Because I'm wondering, like. I know I'm funny, but I'm like, how do I rise out of this? How do I, I don't know anybody. You know, it's not not knowing anybody, but I'm talking about knowing people that can help me. So I knew I just like, I had to grind from the top, from the bottom, you know. Like I'm trying to warn, like, how do you get into these clubs? I'm not going to do a bringer show. A bringer show is not how I respect, but I'm like wondering, like, man, I'm finding different ways to break into the scene. That's what I'm trying to do, break into the scene. Like I'm killing at open mics, but all right, how do I get like one show a week? Freak, that's not enough. I got to go back to the open mics, keep doing it again. Two shows a week like that. So I finally get into Governor's Comedy Club. I meet a comic named DC Benny. DC Benny, he's like laughing at all these stories I'm telling about Japan and the Netherlands and stuff that I work with. He goes, dude, you got a lot of stories that you tell on stage. I got a show um, with uh, Ben Bailey, and Ben Bailey's from Cash Cab. And he goes, you want to come do it? And I was like, yeah, but, you know, I'm, you know, I've heard a lot of comics tell me everything. And then when I get to New York, they say nothing. And he texts me, he goes, dude, when do you want to do it? You want to do it in August. And I say, I'm actually going to Israel in June. He goes, really? He goes, yeah. And he goes, oh, well, let's do it this Friday. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, this Friday, this Saturday, come. And we'll do the shows at the Comedy Cellar. And I'm like freaking out. Cause I'm like, this is a Comedy Cellar, the freak. You know, I've, you know. I grew up wanting to do this place, and I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get in my head about it, but it's just dope, right? So I told these stories before. I'm doing the show, but Cam's brother goes, "Hey, I'm coming into town. Can I come?" And I said, "Yeah, come. Where's your show at Comedy Center, dude? I'm freaking there, dude. I'm freaking there." And Cam's brother is six foot seven. He's six foot seven, speaks three different languages. He like played basketball in Europe, and he's he speaks I don't know. He speaks Italian and white and black. He speaks a lot of languages. So he comes, and we meet up on the street. No, he comes to my house, 
and he dropped stuff off. I was like, let's go. I was buy a ticket. He bought a ticket, and we're like talking. He's kind of like pumping me up, like, dude, you freaking got this, dude. You freaking got this. And he's at the cellar. He almost get kicked out because he stuck his seven foot wingspan up to take a picture of him. And they're like, hey, put your camera, put your camera down. And then after that, we just kicked it. We literally like walked around and we're like meeting different comments. We went to the, we went down the strip and everything else. And he stayed in my house and we just talked all night. And he laid on my couch with this picture of him, seven foot frame on my couch. And then he came back again. He goes, hey, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? I said, I'm not doing nothing. My boy Steve is coming through. I'm going to Steve's house. Steve's from Brooklyn. He goes, Steve, rest in peace. Wow, that's crazy that his Steven's dad died and them died. And we had, the last time they saw each other was at Thanksgiving. So Steven, we always do this thing at Thanksgiving where Steven opens up his home. We go play cards. We play spades. And then uh, I said, Steve, can my boy Andre come? He goes, yeah, F yeah. Anybody's a friend of you can come. So we're out there. Me, Andre, and he's a mathematician. He went to college and he got his master's in math, so he's never played spades before. And I have all these memories of him slapping cars, playing spades, and everything else. I'm telling his brother Cam, and I was like, look, man, he loves you, man. Like, he was sitting there telling me, and he was like, dude, that Cam's going to make it. You know, Cam, I believe in Cam. And I told Cam these stories, and I'm just getting emotional because it's crazy in life that, you know, me and Cam, we're brothers forever. Like, the way we came up, we have the same emotions. We're both aggressive when it comes to comedy. We both believe in certain things. We both understand the tagging people up. And so I told Cam, told Cam these stories, and it's crazy in life because every emotion he felt at that age, I felt the same thing. Cam was 24, 25, 24, 25 when he lost his best friend. I was 25 when I lost my best friend. Y'all you know, lost my best friend, Shamar. I lost him. He, she and Cam's brother, he died, uh, fell asleep while driving, and it hurt Cam. Cam was just like, you know, it hurt me to, for him to be so smart to die like that. You know, just tired on the road, like, and Cam goes, to this day I stop, and then Cam goes, then his mother died after that, and he, he Cam talks to his little sister, Cam spoke at the funeral and everything, and it F Cam up, and, like, I would call and check in with Cam, but, like, I knew some people battle these battles internally, so he started drinking, and he, 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 he started drinking, he got effed up, he almost died, he did, like, I think he told me 18 shots of Vodka red, but I don't know what he did, but he got really effed up. He had a, he, he went to the hospital, and then the day of the hospital, the day he did all that, he shot a special, his comedy special. So he's just saying, like, man, I was effed up when I shot that special. Just imagine if I was 110%. I was like, yeah, I get that. So he tells me, he's like, I've done 144 days sober. So we're catching up everything else. We're going to the green room because Joey Leonard, who's going to be on the podcast Tuesday, um, He's uh, He started out through Facebook. He has millions of views and stuff like that. And he's doing stand-up as his first time headlining um, with that. And he's like, yo, you do 20. I do 20. Cam does 50. I'm like, all right, cool. And he goes, I'm about to get effed up. You guys about to drink? And Cam goes, I've been sober 144 days. And he goes, really? He goes, yeah, Jared, do you? I was like, no, nah, I don't drink at all. And he goes, well, I'm not going to drink tonight. I was like, all right, cool. And uh, he goes, dude, I noticed you don't curse at all. Is it like a thing? I was like, I just don't curse. He goes, all right. And... And you can tell he's he's a young comic, but he's hungry for it. Like, he's a southern boy. Like, he's he's lived a life, man. When I say his story is amazing, he's lived a life. And his experiences makes him so comfortable on stage because of his, uh, because of his stage presence, because of the life that he's lived. You know, some people make fun of comics that, you know, start from online. But I'm like, that's a skill in his own. For him to develop his own fan base, that's a unique skill. And he's just mad cool, mad chill. So Cam goes, hey, I got to catch a flight at 5 a.m. I was like, look, I'll wake up at 3 a.m. and I'll take you to the airport. I drive to Newark. I drive to the airport and I pick up my lady. He's like, hey, come to the hotel. Let's go. I pick her up. I said, like, get your bags ready. <laughs> and I walk in 
and uh, we go and we stay in Connecticut. We just go around. We get dinner and stuff like that, and it's just a really dope time. And, and me and Joey are chopping it up, and I'm just tagging him up, tagging him up. And he goes, dude, I just, I, he said, sometimes I don't feel like I'm worthy of these tags. And I'm like, dude, we all know how we started, right? And I was telling him, like, you can't compare eight years worth of comedy to a year and to, to a year and a half. You can't compare it because we're we're different people, you know. As like I see my boy, his name is uh, Brian McKenna. He opens up for Jim Brewer, and he's at the cellar. And Brian McKenna's like twitching a little bit, and Jim Brewer goes, "Freaking stop! That's twenty five years of comedy that you're looking at. Don't I see it's in your head? That's twenty five years of experience that you don't got yet. It's okay." And sometimes we do, we try to compare ourselves to everyone else. I say New York City is like being a horse without blinders because you get to see everyone as you're running. So it's easy to get distracted and watch this fast horse. or easy to get distracted and watching a slow source. So I'm talking to Joey, and I'm like, dude, you're you. The reason why people love you, you got this mullet, you got this, and he does well. I do, we both, uh, the second show uh, was great. Cam did 50, and I was like dope seeing Cam's new stuff, and I'm taking his tags, he's giving my tags. And then the net the last night, we both split the time down the middle. Go 90-minute show, Jared. He goes to split it up, 45-45. I'm like, perfect. I open the show up, and uh, I was, like, mad at myself because I left a lot of jokes on the table. Like, I wrote down these jokes I wanted to do, but the way I was feeling, I was, like, playing with the crowd a little bit. I was like, freak, I want to do these new jokes. Freak, I want to do them. So afterwards, me and Joey are talking. I'm, like, selling wristbands, you know, socially distanced, keeping my mask on, everything else, which is good. And uh, we do the podcast. I got a little tired, dozed off. I was, I was telling him, I said, no, your life is amazing. I'm just sorry. I was freaking just tired. He goes, no, no, no problem. So I get some energy. You know, that's when I take cat naps. Boom, and I'm back. And we're doing the podcast, and it's just amazing. And when I tell you this Tuesday that you're going to be amazed by this dude's life story, this dude is a veteran. This dude has lived a life. And I think comedians that start out later in life with experience, like when you're 30s, is because you've lived a life and you can talk about some things. So when you really talk about stories, you really can talk about stories because you've lived that story, you know? So that's what's happening this Tuesday. Uh, and then Sunday, which is today, I'm going to New York Comedy Club, uh, and it's called The Wipe the Mic Tour. Joey and Tiana post, uh, freaking out Joey, Dan and Tiana produced that show, and I'm excited. It's been a really good week. It's a really good week. Sometimes seeing a friend is everything you need, man. Like when I tell you times of Tampa, man, like Cam, when I say comics hated on Cam, he was a young, cocky kid. But I love that about him. He was like a young Kanye West. He just, he believed in himself so much. And I love Kanye as well. And we just, we, we were like riding down the road listening to Kanye. And I, the what he has coming up is amazing. And I, I never doubted him. Like, I remember, like, the roast shows and stuff like that. I was like, I was the only person that said no, something nice for the roast show because I appreciate him, man. Like, when I came to New York, man, knowing that I had a dude with me that had my back and knowing that, I was like, oh, frick, this is this is the place I got to be. And uh, Cam, is he's destined for greatness, man. Me, Cam, and Jonas, we were the guys, and Rio was with us. Uh, we were, It was us four and Rajel. Those five of us and Rajel left. It was like the four horsemen. We were just all tagging it up and we all split up cam went to la i went to new york jonas went to la uh and then it's just dope seeing us and this is how this is how i can say and rio went to la rio came back to tampa uh, what i could say about all of us is that every comic that we meet says the same exact thing i said like, you know my boy cam no oh, freak i know your boy cam you know jerry waters yeah i know jerry waters and we just we just we just want to be funny 
We want to be funny, and we respect everybody. We respect the juice, and that's what it's about. And, you know, I I got some news about these projects I've been developing, and it's good, but at the same time, I'm telling myself, man, I'm, t- I'm telling Joe, we're talking about God. Me and him are talking about God, and he told me the story about uh, about God. We're talking about not cursing, and I told him, I was like, you know what? I said, if you look at, like, Jesus in the Bible, right, at the end, he, before he leaves, he says, go out and spread the gospel. He didn't say make churches. He didn't say form a religion. He said, go out, spread the gospel. That's all he said. Spread the gospel. There's different ways to spread the gospel. Because I was telling them, you don't got to change because of me. You know, even though I don't curse, it's because it's just, I just don't curse, you know. I don't I find other words to say that are funny besides curse words. But Jesus' circle were all thugs. They were all thugs. Tax evasion, cheaters, liars, fornicators, everything else. He surrounded himself with people because those people reached out to people that were just like them. You know, some people felt like, oh, I'm not like Jesus, but I'm like Paul. I've been through what Paul's been through, and they, his boys wrote it. So I say that my, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I've done a lot of things that I'm not proud of. Well, I'm proud of now because it made me who I am, but I've heard a lot of people growing up, and, you know, things that I thought was funny is not funny. But... My message is different. You know, I reach people different ways. You know, if I can make you laugh, that's good. Sometimes when you make someone laugh, you get them comfortable for them to open up more. And, uh, man, it was just an emotional yet great time. Me and my lady, we, we freaking had a little mini vacation, you know. Uh, we, we looked at New York. New York City looks amazing <laughs> when you're coming into it. I'm like, look how nice it is. And sometimes she has a picture. She's like, yeah, we're living in New York City. I was like, yeah, man. We're home alone. Literally home alone. So, uh. That's the plan. I got some other good shows coming up. Uh, I got them listed out. Some shows coming up this week. Got some shows coming on. We're hitting the road again. So everything's going great. Please, everybody, wear a mask, socially distance, be safe, and love somebody. If you got a chance to tell somebody you love them, love them before it's too late. Love them. Love somebody else. Spread love to somebody. If you're thinking about a person from high school that you want to reach out to, mother effing reach out to them because they probably need it right now. You know, it does. It takes... 15 minutes to have a conversation. For me, it takes probably two and a half. It probably takes two and a half hours because I ask a lot of questions because that's what I do. But my name is Jerry Waters. I'm a two-time wrestling champ, stand-up comic, uh, your mom's favorite comedian, your daddy's, <laughs> your daddy's favorite podcast. Have a wonderful night. God bless or good day. Whenever you listen to this, Shabbat Shalom. Wassalamu uh, alaikum. Off to the rainbow to see Muhammad. Hey, you're live on the podcast. One man, one tree in a hill. Say what up to the people. This is when I see black excellence, man. It's Dave Chappelle, Michael Che, Lauren Michaels, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, all sitting at the table. I said, yo, Eddie, Mr. Murphy, as I just want to say, man, you the GOAT, man. And you're the coldest nigga that ever walked the face of the earth. You got to break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. Uh uh-uh, uh, and I'm be the next Jamar Neighbors. Yeah. And she was up like, I know that's right. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.